Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back after nearly a month uh, for another Tiger basketball podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Munz, our Tiger basketball beat writer. Uh, A lot has happened since the last podcast. I believe the last time we joined you was after Memphis lost to Auburn. Uh, A lot of time has elapsed. Not a lot of games have been played. Uh, but we have a new offense, the Lion offense. Um, Memphis has started off two and one in conference play, um, but still uh, an underwhelming six and four on the season. Uh, we've got net rankings out. We had a player transfer, Jason, or enter the transfer portal. Um, and uh, we've had two games postponed due to COVID 19 issues at other schools. Uh, and now we're in the midst of uh, a nine-day break. I guess it's longer now, now because the UCF game got postponed. But we're not. Memphis does not take the court again until January 14th against SMU. So they will have when they play that game. They will have gone 17 days between games, and they will have played one game in a 23-day span. Jason. Um, I guess let's start there before we rewind and look at what happened in those first three conference games. How do you think this hiatus is going to affect Memphis? Is this going to be a good thing, a bad thing? Will it not matter? Will it just be the same team we saw before this, you know, sort of long extended break? What, what do you think this, you know, not playing for 17 games, but being in a different scenario than say the Memphis football team was in the fall where yeah, they were off for 28 days, but a lot of it was they were dealing with COVID issues, and so they couldn't practice. In this case, Memphis has 17 days between games, but it's not due to issues on their end. They're allowed to practice throughout it. They, it's not like they're having to shut things down because of COVID issues. So I'm curious your thoughts on, on what this break means for, for this Memphis basketball team. Well, I mean, it depends uh, on on how you look at it. I mean, does I mean, I think a lot of it depends on the leadership of the team. Uh, are the guys like Alex Lomax and DeAndre Williams, you know, uh, making sure that the team stays locked in? Because that's hard. Like to to go from playing every other, you know, every few days for a month, you know, I mean, they played, they played 10 games from November 25th or 4th or whatever it was to, uh, to the end of December, um, you know, and they were going on a really good clip, even though the, the results weren't necessarily always positive that they were, they were, they were at least playing with some kind of regularity and, and, 
and and then you start throwing all this other stuff into the mix where they're having to, you know, sit on their hands uh, through no fault of their own. Um, I, I just think it, it's 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 going to depend a lot on how locked in they can stay, and that's where that's going back to the leadership that I was talking about. Our guys like Alex Lomax, DeAndre Williams, um, uh, you know, some of the other uh, leaders on the team are they making sure that they are using their time off wisely? Are there, are they, you know, uh, are, are they avoiding the, the idle hands uh, sort of, uh, you know, the, the pitfalls that can come along with, uh, with idle hands. I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's necessarily good that they, even though they've been off for so long, they, the games that have been postponed haven't been postponed so far in advance that they're at least not preparing as though they're going to be playing these games. Um, so I, I don't know, I guess the, 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 in short, um, I, I don't know how it's going to affect them. Although, you know, the, uh, another aspect of this is they, they instituted a new offense after the uh, loss to Tulsa and, you know, it looked okay at times in the uh, in the win over South Florida and this this long layoff just gives them more time to get comfortable with it um, and that sort of thing but you know is is too much time off is, is so much time off to uh, you know bad thing we'll see yeah no I don't know the answer either I suspect it will help but not like dramatically yeah you know like I think you know what I mean that's that's my sense like I think I think expecting this team to get dramatically better or dramatically worse is at this point doesn't feel um, I, I just don't, it doesn't work like that. You don't just magically get a lot better. Um, and, and that's the, I guess the troubling part about this season so far. Yes. They're two and one in conference. Um, they get an 80 to 74 win over Tulane to start things off actually looked pretty good in that game. You know, it was on the road. Um, you know, it was cl- it was it was close-ish, but the offense looked better. You know, and it was you know DeAndre Williams was back, and uh, excuse me, that was a home game, right? No, Tulane was Tulane, Tulane was on the road, and that was DeAndre Williams' first game. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get DeAndre. You you felt good after that game. You know, DeAndre yeah. Williams debuted. Lester Quinones had 20 points. Landers Nolly and DJ Jeffries had uh, 16, 18 points. You shot better than 55% from the floor in the second half. Um, you scored 80 points, and you got to win. Then you come back, and against Tulsa, a home game, your first conference home game, it was ugly. I mean, it just was. Um, offensively, it was about as, you know, the only other offensive performance – during the Penny Hardaway era that felt worse was last year's Tulsa game when they lost by 40 points and only scored 40 points. But Memphis failed to break the 50-point barrier, loses 56-49, particularly down the stretch. Their offensive woes were really magnified uh, because Tulsa uh, seemed to, you know, scored on its last few possessions. They just, Tulsa just seemed a lot more organized offensively than Memphis. Um, and so that was really disappointing. And afterwards, um, you know, it was Penny for the second time in a couple weeks 
kind of threw his threw Cody Toppert under the bus and said the offense that they were running that Cody was had put in wasn't good. And, you know, they were switching to the lion offense, this off and it, it's an offense Penny has used uh, since he was coaching at East and at Lester middle school and AU. And, and basically Penny's explanation was, you know, I needed an offense that I was comfortable with. I didn't, you know, I wasn't comfortable uh, making adjustments in the offense Cody Topper had implemented because I wasn't, it wasn't an offense I had mastered essentially, which it was an, I'll be honest, it was an odd explanation um, yeah. because you don't want your head coach saying things like that uh, publicly, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then they come, so they, then they come back. They have a, the holiday break, and then they beat USF in their most recent game, um, 58-57. So not exactly an offense clicking on all cylinders, but you do get a win uh, over USF. You get back on the winning side of things. So that's how that's how we're here, where we are. Memphis six and four overall, two and one in conference play, um, and then the Temple game this past weekend, as well as the UCF game. Tuesday night were postponed. Um, and when you look at things, um, you know, the net rankings came out. The first net rankings came out. Currently Memphis sits at number 97 in the net rankings, which is not good. I will say it's better than Duke, Michigan state and Kentucky. Um, but the difference between Memphis and Duke, Michigan state, Kentucky is Duke, Michigan state and Kentucky because of the conferences they play in, have ample opportunities to improve their net ranking, to improve their metrics. Memphis, on the other hand, uh, because of the AAC, you know, where the AAC is this year and where it is in general, they just don't have those same number of opportunities. Now, I will say Memphis, when you look at their resume now, it's actually, Jason, not as bad as probably – it's still not great. Like, they still very clearly have dug themselves a hole – that's going to be difficult to climb out of in, in terms of making the NCAA tournament. But I don't think it's impossible to climb out of. I don't, I'm not ready to like it. We're not at a point where you can, you should declare the season, you know, that they have no chance of making the NCAA tournament. They just have a lot less of a chance than you thought they did at the beginning of the season, but they still have, let's take out the UCF game that just got postponed Hopefully it gets rescheduled, but we don't know about that yet. But if you take that out, they have eight quad one and quad two games left on their schedule. And they don't have any quad three or quad four losses yet. So I, I do think it's salvageable. They're just going to have to play a lot better. And that, 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 that second part is the part that's, I don't know. I don't want to say it's hard to imagine, but it's, I have my doubts because it doesn't, it doesn't, we haven't seen a ton of improvement over the first 10 games. They kind of just feel like they are what they are. They're not a horrible team, but they certainly haven't looked like a good team yet. Uh, what, yeah. what, do you, what do you make of the situation Memphis finds itself in after three conference games? What, what did you think of, what do you think of the offensive changes and, and what do you think in terms of the prospects of, of this team changing over the next couple months and becoming more like the team we thought they'd be preseason? Well, I'll start with the second question first. I, 
I don't, I think the odds are against them. Uh, you know, uh, like if anybody's thinking that Memphis is going to all of a sudden just blossom into this, um, you know, uh, dynamic team that, that, uh, becomes very, very difficult to beat on a night in night out basis. I, I think the, the odds are pretty slim, um, of that happening, not saying it won't, it, it can't happen, but I, I think it's, I think the odds are pretty slim. Um, now as far as, you know, how they looked, I thought against South Florida, I was encouraged by the first 10, 12 minutes of that game. I thought they, for the first time all season and maybe, you know, even, even looked better than some games last year. Like the points didn't necessarily, it didn't necessarily translate into a bunch more points, but they looked like they had a plan and they were adhering. The players were adhering to the plan. Um, even when things got crazy and South Florida jumped out to a 12 point lead, I didn't, I didn't think that they necessarily, I mean, they didn't seem like they panicked to me. Um, and I want to jump in here real quick. The one thing that that stinks about this, the COVID stuff that's happened here, those last six minutes of that game, last 10 minutes of that game where they erased the 12-point deficit, it seems like they fe- they hit on something there as a group, whether it was lineup-related, style of play-related, they were creating havoc. Lomax came in and completely transformed the game. Um, you saw him, you were hoping oh, maybe this is that he turned the corner after this rough start to the year and this group turned the corner. And then now to go 17 days, like it just feels like whatever momentum you could have gained from that ending of that game is now moot because it will be 17 days between then and the next time this Memphis team plays more than likely. Yeah, I mean, the longer you go from the end of that game before you play again, the harder it becomes to capitalize on, like you said, on that momentum that they created over that last 10 minutes. And they scrapped. I mean, that was that was probably the first extended um, display of scrap that we've seen this year from from that Memphis team. Uh, so, yeah, that 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 becomes a disappointing thing the longer they – the longer this layoff um, goes, but, uh, but no, again, going back to the South Florida, uh, you know, that offense, I, I was encouraged um, just because it looked like they had a plan and they stuck to it. Even again, even as the points weren't necessarily piling up, they didn't revert back to the selfish hero ball that they, uh, that, that got them in so much trouble over the first. Um, got you know. stagnant at times, especially as the game wore on. South Florida adjusted. Like what Memphis is doing is they're putting their two big men. So let's say with the starters, it, it's like DeAndre Williams and Musa. They're putting them at the elbows, almost like a horn. They call it a horns look or one for, you know, uh, in, in, and then the guards and the wings are cutting and screening around them. And what it's allowing Memphis to do is they're, they're able to start their offense closer to the basket, okay? It's taking pressure off of the point guards to create as much as they, you know, as much as a typical point guard does because we know point guard play has been pretty disappointing so far this year. Um, and so, and it created more movement. But 
you saw as the game wore on USF at first initially was kind of sitting back on DeAndre and Musa and Malcolm Dandridge and whoever else, Lance Thomas, whoever else was in there. Um, and then as the game wore on, they started applying a lot more ball pressure and it, and it made the sets more disjointed. So how Penny and Memphis adjust to that. And Penny says he knows how he can ju- adjust to that, how they adjust that moving forward will be interesting. Um, I, I agree with you. It looked better. It still didn't look great. You know, it's still like this still looks like an offensively uh, inept team, not in terms of skill set, but just in terms of, you know, identity, you know, and, and in terms of being some juggernaut. I mean, they're still right now. They rank 265th in the country in effective field goal percentage, uh, and they're 197th in the country in turnover percentage. Uh, and they're 196th in the country in free throw attempts on offense. So, like, this is still a bad offense. Um, and it's an offense that is – like, they still didn't score 60 points against yeah. USF, who, yeah. by the way, was playing without Alexis Yetna, one of their best players. Right. Um, so, still a lot of issues to iron out offensively, um, both individually and as a group. Um, like – it seems like Lester Quinones has found a rhythm. DeAndre Williams has found a rhythm, but DJ Jeffrey still looks kind of lost out there. Landers Nolly has been very streaky. Boogie Ellis, same way, very streaky. Um, they haven't gotten a bunch of guys clicking all at once very often this year. Uh, and maybe Loma, like I, I Loma, they need a point guard and, you know, who know, I don't know if they have a good one on the roster, but the Alex Lomax who showed up for the last 10 minutes of that USF game is, is at least a point guard. You know, I don't know if he's a great point guard, but he's at least a point guard who can make a difference. You can work um, with, you can work with that Alex Lomax. You know what I mean? The question like, is, can, is that, can we get those 10 minutes consistently, you know, or was that just a momentary spark? Uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. We won't know the answer to that until this team gets to play basketball again. Yeah. Um, but uh, still a lot of, of, of work to be done uh, this season. Um, one player who will not be part of the rest of the season, Muns, you broke this story uh, last week, late last week. Um, Ahmad Rand, the junior college transfer who they added uh, this offseason. Uh, has decided to transfer. Uh, we hardly knew ye, uh, Ahmad. He only appeared in two games, I believe. Three games. Yeah, he played okay. in three three games. Uh, and really only played meaningful minutes in one of them, right? He played in seven minutes uh, against Arkansas State, three minutes against Mississippi Valley State, and eight minutes against Tulsa. I believe it was Tulsa. Um, so, lose yeah. a little depth inside, but – he wasn't really playing very much anyways. Yeah, I mean, that he was an intrigue. If anything, Penny needs to shorten the rotation right now. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. think – this isn't the worst thing in the world. It gives you another scholarship moving forward. Right, um, right, right. You know, and and frankly, I think it's a precursor to uh, an offseason that's going to feature a ton of movement, player movement, both at Memphis and across the country with this new transfer rule. Like, I think there is going to be a quite a bit of upheaval on Memphis's roster as well as every roster around the country. Um, yeah. So, 
uh, it'll be uh, that's going to be a storyline to watch just as soon as the season ends, um, whenever it ends. We do know, by the way, that it, we learned this week it's official. The NCAA tournament uh, will be held completely in the Indianapolis area. Um, so if Memphis figures this thing out and goes to the NCAA tournament, all of its games will be in Indianapolis or Bloomington, Indiana, or West Lafayette, Indiana, like all around the Indianapolis area. Um, so uh, that's something to, I guess, keep an eye on. Um, but like we said earlier, we're still, you know, as we're recording this, we're still more than a week away from the next Memphis game. So um, Munz, we'll, we'll, we'll leave, we'll wrap it up with this. What in your mind for the, for the Tigers to, Let's say ultimately the goal is, and maybe this changed because Houston just lost its best player, Caleb Mills, decided to transfer. But like, to me, to feel any to feel any sort of maybe comfort's the wrong word, but to have a chance to make the NCAA tournament, you better position yourself as the second best team in the AAC at least. How does how does Memphis do that? These last however many games they play, 15, 17, whatever it is. Well, uh, I mean, outside of just winning the games, yeah, you know, outside of – How do they win these these types of games, the UCFs, the SMU? Like, you're basically going to – like, it looks like it's like SMU, Wichita State, Memphis, um, UCF, maybe Cincinnati, Tulsa – any one of those teams in my mind could emerge as the second best team in the AAC this year. How, you know, and, 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 and what does Memphis need to do beyond the, how do they win these types of games over the SMUs and Wichita States? How do they win those games uh, moving forward? What do they need to be or do or, or get better at? Well, they need to be better offensively and they need to stay as good as they have been defensively. I mean, you know, defense was a huge part of that comeback against South Florida. Um, I mean, even, even, and the players even recognized that in the moment. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but they, they posted on the Memphis men's basketball uh, Instagram page, um, like a video as the players were coming off the floor. uh, They had this video, like where they were kind of, like uh, they, they were in front of Alex Lomax and a couple of other players. And Alex was like emphatically sort of uh, saying that, that defense is what we do at Memphis. Defense is how we, is how we, it's what we do best. It's how we um, uh, have the most success. And, and it was, I thought it was good that not only him, but some of the players around him, recognize even in the moment that defense is what got them uh, back into that game. And so, you know, they're going to have to keep playing defense at an elite level uh, because I don't think that the offense is capable of drastically improving. I mean, I I do think they can improve some and probably will improve some, um, but they're going to have to absolutely keep playing defense the way they have been and, uh, and, and make good on that potential to improve offensively. Um, without without some sort of um, at least incremental improvement on the offensive side of the ball, though, 
Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I think that I think the, the field is too crowded to got to be able to score sixty more than sixty points in games. Like you can't expect to hold teams under sixty every game. Well, I'm. Not, I mean, that's just two games, and I'm so I'm not ready to. And you know, the 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 conference opener they scored what eighty or whatever it was at, at, on the road at Tulane. Well, it's about pace. Like Tulane wants to play at at a at a dis, decent pace. Teams like Tulsa and USF and UCF and Wichita are not going to want to play at that pace. Right. SMU does a little bit, but like that, that, you know, so it'll be, uh, it'll be very, very interesting to see how this season, what, what happens from here, because I'm not ready to just throw in the towel. I don't think they are. I don't think most fans are, even though they have not yet looked like a team. That should be that's an NCAA tournament team. They don't. They just haven't looked good yet as a team, and so that's what we're still waiting on. And maybe maybe this long hiatus will unlock that for Memphis. Um, we will have tons of coverage of Memphis basketball, even though there aren't any games. Jason's already got a great story up about uh, a, re- a new recruit that Memphis is is on uh, from Nashville. Um, you should go read it. Um, but we'll have tons of stuff, even though there's no games, because Memphis basketball never sleeps. Um, and so we, we, we always test negative over here at the commercial appeal when it comes to Memphis basketball coverage. Good, um, good one. So, uh, uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll come back. We'll check back in maybe ahead, maybe ahead of that SMU game, maybe after the SMU game sometime next week. It won't be that long before you hear from us again. Uh, but till then – I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Uh, Enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks so much. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.